from days of long ago. From uncharted regions of the universe comes a legend. Welcome to Star Joe's Podcast, episode 249, The Kessel Run, TMNT. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone. Yes, this is episode 249. Next episode, we reach 250. That is actually going to be a special episode. I'm going to talk about that in a second. Uh, but this is on uh, Sunday, the 18th of October. Hoping to get this episode out on the 19th because it's important to get this episode out as soon as possible to uh, give people enough time to respond to uh things for episode 250. Um, so uh, this is going to be one of our Kessel runs. I'm actually going to do something a little bit special, a little bit different with this one. Normally I go back to the beginning of an early run. So like I've done with Mar- uh, with Star Wars, I've gone back to the Marvel run. G.I. Joe went back to the Marvel run. Transformers th- went back to the original Marvel run. And I plan on doing stuff like that. Also, I think we did a Thundercats one where I went to Wildstorm uh, instead of going back to like the star comics and stuff. Um, and then I think sectars, I went to the mini comics and stuff. Um, for this one, what I'm doing is instead of just going back to the original run for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, which I am doing, I'm going to cover the, the first issue of the Mirage run. I'm also going to cover the first issue of the IDW run. Uh, I thought about trying to do the first issue of multiple TMNT comics. So like, uh, when they went to image, which is now the urban legends, uh, title that IDW is reprinting and then going to continue the story. thought about doing that one. Plus I think there was like one or two other ones like TMNT adventures and things like that. Uh, but decided that could be a really bulky episode. Uh, so I thought I would just go with the two longest runs of TMNT comics. So you have your original Mirage run and then you have the IDW run, which is actually the longest running TMNT comic that's out there now. Um, and I know we covered 
the first issues and everything else on the show because at the time we were still covering new comics as they were coming out and doing reviews on them and everything. Um, but as you guys know, with the Kessel Run, I go in-depth as far as the coverage. So we actually go page by page for each issue and everything else and, and really take a look at what's going on on every page. So that we never really did that to what I remember with the original uh, IDW run. So wanted to do that here with this. And this is, I think, something I'm going to do uh, going forward for for some uh, series. So, like, I'm going to... I might go back and do this with, like, Transformers, and I might go back and do this with G.I. Joe and, and cover the start of the IDW runs of those and kind of do... Uh, compare contrast with the original. Uh, even though I've already covered the original for G.I. Joe and the original for uh, Transformers, it might be kind of interesting to go back and kind of revisit those. Might not cover the full issue again, but kind of do a comparison to what IDW then later did. Uh, I won't do that with Star Wars because that's a lot tougher to do um, because while Marvel did an amazing run uh, and Dark Horse had an amazing uh, catalog of Star Wars titles. They never really, to from what I can remember and what I can tell, they never really started with like, here's Star Wars number one. Like they never went back and just tried to retell the movies and retell um, stories in between. It was always like mini series and and um, and there were ongoing series, but they weren't like very long term ongoing series. Like you had some that did last like 50 issues. It'd be like, you know, three, four years, some, uh, where they would do stuff, but there's not really a direct comparison that you could really do. Um, maybe if I did like the Brian Wood one where it was directly spinning off of the movies. Um, I know there were some other ones that kind of did things like that, but, um, I don't know if I'll be able to do that with Star Wars per se. And, and certainly when Marvel took over, they weren't like retelling, uh, stuff from the, uh, from Star Wars. So it was taking place in the, in between the movies and everything else. It's a, it's a different animal with Star Wars. Um, GI Joe, what I might do is rather than doing just IDW run, um, and you have the Marvel run, uh, and comparing it to the first issue of the Marvel run, I can do the first issue of the IDW stuff. But then I also thought about Reloaded, which was Devil's Due, which could be proved to be interesting because uh, we have started, Chuck and I started doing the Devil's Due run. I know we've only covered, I think, the first issue of that, maybe the first and second issue, but I think we've only covered the first issue of that so far, and we absolutely will get back to doing that um, and continuing with those issues. But I... If I'm remembering right, again, memory's not always the best sometimes, but uh, Reloaded was like a complete new retelling. It was a c completely different direction for G.I. Joe done during the Devil's Due time. So that might be something I do there. With um, Transformers, since I've already covered the first issue in the Marvel run, I might go back and do the first issue introduction, which I believe was Infiltration uh, for IDW, and then do the first issue of Dreamwave, uh, and just kind of just kind of seeing how did they introduce these characters, and that's kind of what the idea is with this uh, tonight with um, the turtles is that I want to kind of see how were the turtles introduced originally with IDW's run, and how were they introduced with 
uh, mirage. So, uh, and you're dealing with different animals, and I and I get that because you're dealing with with the mirage run. The turtles didn't exist before that, so it's like you really have to introduce these characters, and it's a totally different animal. Where with IDW, you already very likely knew about the turtles' origin. You likely already knew who the turtles were. I'd be amazed if you didn't and would wonder why you were picking up the title probably if you didn't. But it could happen where you've just never been exposed to, to turtles, especially maybe if you're younger. Like um, if the parent was a big fan and was like, oh, this is a new run here. My uh, tween or my kid can you know read this uh, and learn about the turtles in a different direction. You know, maybe that's something that could happen, but I feel like it's few and far between. So with IDW, it may not have been as necessary to get everything in the first issue. And we'll kind of talk about that as we go through the, the first issue with it. Um, so yeah, I think this will be kind of an interesting experiment to kind of do this. And like I said, I think I might do this with some of the other properties we cover on the show. Also, um, <clears throat> I know we're going to get back to doing GI Joe, the main Marvel series, cause we're getting close to the silent issue and everything like that. So, I uh, definitely want to cover that. Uh, I want to get back to doing Transformers. I want to get back to doing the Star Wars series. But Turtles was one that we was a, kind of a glaring omission um, because we do <clears throat> love the Turtles on the show. And we, you know, I love all the crazy stuff that has come out of Turtles. And the longevity is amazing with them. And we're about to see more stuff coming out. We're about to get the last Ronin coming out very soon, which I saw. So that's another reason I thought this would be like appropriate timing. Like, Hey, let's cover the very beginnings of the turtles right before this last Ronin is coming out, uh, from Eastman and Laird, which is like the first time they've been together to do comics about the turtles in a very long time. So, um, so yeah, so I thought this would be kind of cool to do, uh, and right before that comes out and to be quite honest, like I've, I've just always have wanted to, uh, cover it on the show. Uh, I just, there's so many things we can do Kessel runs on. And of course the main ones are star Wars, transformers and GI Joe. Those are the main ones that we've really focused on and have gotten past like at least a decade or I shouldn't say a decade, <laughs> at least 10 to 12 issues of each one of those. Um, but really haven't tackled turtles at all. And I, even though I've got these amazing hardcovers that are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the Ultimate Collection volumes, which has the original Marvel, uh, not Marvel, original Mirage stuff in it, um, never, I've never read it. I've never read the original Mirage stuff. So <clears throat> I'm very interested in reading this stuff. Um, I have been reading the IDW run since it began, and it is amazing. It's absolutely incredible what has been done uh, with the turtles with the IDW run. If you have never read turtles comics before and or even if you have, and you've not read the IDW run, um, I cannot recommend that one enough. Like it is incredible. Even if you think you're someone that doesn't really care for the turtles, <clears throat> I would say it's worth picking up the first volume and checking it out. You can get it on Comixology right now. If you, uh, have Comixology Unlimited, you can get the first, you can get several of the trades, of course, uh, through that, but you can get definitely the first trade for free and you can read like the first issue and see if you like it, see if it grabs you. 
I'll certainly be covering it here. So you can also listen to this episode and decide if it's uh, something that you want to cover uh, or continue reading. Um, so I do apologize. I've got a little bit of a tickle in my throat tonight. I'm totally healthy. Everything's fine. But uh, I feel like I need to say that this day and age is so no one's uh, concerned. I hope everyone out there is staying safe and healthy. Um, I know things have been spiking lately and everything else. So uh, I will, I've said it before. I will say it again. Please wear a mask. Please think of others. Keep social distancing. Keep washing your hands. Keep doing all the things that you can do to keep yourself and your loved ones safe. It is not a invasion of your rights. It is not a uh, political ploy. It is not anything like that. This is a pandemic. It is. Uh, I've I've known people that have lost people. Thank God. Knock on wood. I have not lost anyone directly, but I have known people that have lost people, um, uh, family and friends, and I've also known people directly that have had it, and um, uh, they've thankfully have come out of it, but certainly not without some impacts and changes. So, um, so just be mindful. Uh, the spikes of course are happening because people are getting laxed. Uh, they're getting, uh, <clears throat> you know, COVID strained, you know, they, they want to get back to normal and I get that. I do too. Um, but it's just, we need to be cautious and we need to be careful. So, all I'm going to say about that, like I said, I just want to kind of get out there that, you know, please be mindful. Uh, it's why I'm trying to get as much material out to you guys as possible. I know I'm a little bit behind right now from the pattern I've been doing. I've been getting an episode out like once a week, once every other week. Um, and I can't remember when the last episode was a regular episode that I got out, but I've been putting out the Patreon episodes, which there'll be another one of those coming out very soon. Um, the video reviews I've been doing, I've been trying to get those out once a week. I have one already recorded that I need to get out. By the time you hear this, it'll probably be out another day or two after that, hopefully, uh, where I do a, a review of the new Mega Man series. Uh, so a lot of stuff coming out, but one of the most important things before I get into these issues here is I wanted to let everyone know that for episode 250, we're going to do something special, which is we know we couldn't do Baltimore comic convention this year. Um, it got canceled and under, and even if it hadn't been canceled, I wasn't going to be going to it. Uh, just again, keeping myself safe and keeping my wife safe and, and everything. Um, so we wanted to do something though. Uh, we wanted, and my wife was actually the one that kind of brought it up. She's like, why don't you do like a, a zoom thing or something where you get together with the, the guys that you would have normally gotten together with for, uh, the convention and just so you guys can see each other and hang out one evening. And I thought it was a great idea, but I wanted to expand upon it. So, uh, I was like, you know what, if, if I can get episode 249 out, which is what this episode is, I was like, that episode will be 250 episode 250, which is a nice milestone episode. Um, and we can also celebrate the 10 years. I've been wanting to do something special for the 10 year anniversary. And I know I put out there, like if you, for the 10 year anniversary, you know, like if you want to be on the show to email me and, and message me and stuff and let me know. Uh, and that's one of the things we'll do for the 10 year anniversary is having people on. Well, then pandemic happened and everything went crazy. And I'm still going to have anyone that reached out to me and said, I'd like to come on the show. 
I'm, I still have your information. You still, I still have all your messages and everything else. I'm still going to have you on for a separate episode. Might not be this year, uh, but it will definitely, we, I, I have a list and I'm definitely going to be reaching out to people to have them on. Uh, so that, the, what I'm about to say does not cancel that at all. But if you are out there and you're listening to this, uh, it, like I said, it is probably going to be October 19th that you're hearing this or after. On October 24th, so I know not too long after this episode comes out, but on October 24th, at uh, which is a Saturday, at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're on the West Coast, that's 4 p.m. your time. Uh, and then there's, you know, Central Time and Mountain Time. You guys know where you live. You know what time zones you're in. But I wanted to give the West Coast so this way everyone can kind of figure out things in between. Um but on at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to do a Zoom meeting, uh, and it's going to be to celebrate episode 250. It's going to be to celebrate 10 years of doing the Star Joe's podcast. It's going to be celebrating these properties that we uh, cover on the show. Uh, it's going to be celebrating conventions in general from the past, uh, and it's to celebrate you guys, like you guys as listeners, as friends. Um, and even if you're new to the show, uh, and you've never interacted with us before, but you're listening to this and you'd like to be part of that, all you have to do, and I'm opening this up to anyone listening to this. Uh, we also opened it up to anyone in the Facebook group. So there, we have a fan page and a group page. The group page is smaller. It's a lot more people that are actually involved typically with the show or with the, with the properties and everything else. If you're, uh, listening to this and you'd like to be part of episode 250 and it is before October 24th, uh, of 2020, then send an email to starjoespodcast at gmail.com with the subject line of virtual convention. So starjoespodcast at gmail.com with the subject line of virtual convention. You don't have to put anything in the body if you don't want to. You can if you want, just saying, hey, I want to be part of it. That's completely up to you. As long as I have that subject line, I'll know why you're emailing me, um, and your name will go on the list. A couple of days before, or if you happen to con email that day, um, again, before that time, uh, I would say cutoff time of maybe noon that day, uh, and that's noon Eastern time. Um just to give me myself enough time to, to double check everything. I don't want to get an email at like 6.50 p.m. and then be like, or that that was sent at that time, and then you're mad because I didn't add you. Uh, so, um, so I would say at noon on the 24th, uh, again, noon Eastern uh, Standard Time, I will check email again just to see if anyone else needs the link. But I will a couple days before... October 24th. So on October 22nd, I will send a link to everyone that has signed up, has sent an, an email requesting to be part of the show. I will send you a Zoom link and uh, you can join us at 7 p.m. that time or whenever you're able to join us. Uh, I would imagine that we're going to go from 7 p.m. until probably 9 p.m. So we're going to go probably at least two hours, maybe a little longer than that, but at least for two hours. Um, just figuring with how many people we have on and topics I want to bring up for all of us to talk about and wherever, tan whatever tangents they, those things take us on, which they usually do. Um, I figure it's going to be at least a couple hours of us together, uh, which I think will be a lot of fun. Uh, the reason for the, the date and the time and everything else is normally 
on Saturdays of Baltimore Comic-Con. Well, first, Baltimore Comic-Con would have happened on October 23rd through the 25th. So the 24th would have been the Saturday of the convention. And typically on the Saturday of the convention, after the convention is over, is when we usually will do a recording. Now, normally, the convention would end at 7 o'clock. We would go out to dinner, uh, and then we would uh, get together to record. And that's usually ends up being like 9, 10 o'clock at night. I didn't want to start that late because, again, with everything going on, people you know might be on different sleep schedules now and everything else. Uh, I want to be somewhat respectful of that. So, and also I don't know how late we're going to go. So I wanted to start somewhat early in the evening. So I picked seven o'clock, which is the time the convention would have ended. Um, I know also Baltimore comic con is doing some virtual panels and everything else. And I didn't want to conflict by having it even earlier. Uh, I didn't want to conflict with any of their panels because again, it's meant to celebrate. Uh, and the idea behind this is to kind of be, uh, that Baltimore Comic Con didn't get to happen, but we're going to do it ourselves. Uh, and uh, we're going to call it uh, Baltimore Comic Con. Uh, so instead of Baltimore, it's Baltimore. Uh, but it's uh, it's a good time. And it, and the idea also is that any it's not just for people that normally come with us to the convention. Uh, it I, I'm hoping a lot of those people will be there that night, but it's also for people that have always wanted to come to the conventions with us to hang out and just get to know everyone and, and have a good time. But it's also meant to, uh, it's meant for those, those people that just couldn't make it, uh, depending on where they live or time of year or what, where their finances are and things like that. And this is a hundred percent, a free event. Like there's absolutely no cost to you whatsoever. You'll get the link, you'll click on it. You'll join us that night. Um, we're going to have fun. Uh, it is meant to be a positive thing. So the only two things that I ask for, uh, is one, absolutely zero politics. Politics will not be tolerated. Politics will not be allowed. Um, I don't want to hear any jokes of, about, uh, Biden or Trump or anybody else. There's no room for that whatsoever. So no politics whatsoever. We get enough of that in our lives right now. Don't want that at all. Uh, the other thing is I don't want uh, just a bunch of bashing. I know on the episodes we've done, uh, there's pe- been people that have been negative about the new Star Wars movies. There's been people that have been negative about uh, toy collecting and the things Hasbro's doing and stuff like that. And that's fine when we're kind of talking about those topics. Um, and it's perfectly fine if you if we bring up something and you and whatever it is we're talking about you don't really care for it. It's totally fine to let us know. Like it's not something I really like, or, you know, I don't really have a comment about that. Whatever. We'll move on. That's fine. But I want to avoid the bashing. Um, because again, it's this episode in particular is meant to be a celebration of, uh, again, it's meant to be a celebration of all of us getting together, having fun. It's meant to be celebrating the fact that this podcast has been around for 10 years to let us all get together and have a good time. It's meant to celebrate conventions of the past. So even if you've never gone to Baltimore comic con, we're going to talk about like just conventions in general. Um, I have some topic ideas for that. We're going to do a firing range, which I think will be a lot of fun. Um, and some stuff like that. I'm trying to think of if we, if there could be some contest things that I can maybe do, um, so I'm still kind of working out the last minute details when it comes to things like that. But, and I will say, I do know that there's people from the last contest we had that was last year. Some people still, I still owe prizes to, 
So I have not forgotten. I have all your information. Just obviously right now with things going on, I can't get things out like I would like to, but I know I owe posters to some people. I know, um, there's some, uh, uh, some of the art, some of the things from Robert still needs to get out to you guys and everything else. I'm going to be reaching out to him for the couple things that he had to get out. So I, I know that we still owe things to people. So don't worry if you're listening to this going, Hey, you're going to do another contest. And I never got my poster. I know I have it. Don't worry. I don't have it, but I, I have your name. I have your address information and everything else. You're still going to get it. I have not forgotten about it at all. So I do apologize for the delay. It shouldn't have been delayed because I should have gotten it to you before the pandemic and everything happened. But, um, I promise you that I have not forgotten and that it will still get out to you. So, um, so yeah, I, I just, I'm looking forward to getting to see you guys and, and hang out one evening. And, uh, there's some of you I know that have already signed up because I posted it on the Facebook group, um, that I've never had the opportunity to really interact with, uh, a whole lot, like maybe on an episode here and there, but, um, definitely have not really had an opportunity to like see you and hang out with you. Uh, we are going to record the episode. Uh, I'm going to record it both, uh, video and audio. Um, and if the video comes out decently enough, I'll just put it on the star Joe's YouTube channel. Um, but we'll definitely get the audio out as a regular episode. It'll be episode two fifty, Like I said, so really looking forward to that. So again, if you want to be part of it, even if you've never interacted with us before, but you'd like to be part of it, or this is your first time listening to an episode, you are welcome to join us because that's how we get to know you. And that's how we become friends. I will tell you that, uh, if, especially if this is your first time or what, you know, this is relatively a new show for you to listen to. Um, you will hear a lot of names that get mentioned and a lot of names of people that come on the show and everything else. Most of the people that come on the show are people that I have become friends with because of doing the show. Um, so John, who has been a regular co-host of mine for a lot of these episodes lately, I met him because of doing the show. He was a listener. Uh, he reached out a couple times, you know, we interacted with him online. He came on the show a couple times and then we just kind of kept staying in touch and having fun talking with him and everything else. And now he is a regular host with us. Uh, Eric Grubb, who comes on quite often, uh, he, I met him because of the show. He was on the forums and everything else. Uh, he just interacted with us and we had him on. Um, I know there's some other people that, uh, you know, it's reached a point now where it's like, there's so many people I would love to have them keep coming back on and everything else. Um, it's just, you know, timing wise and everything else that I don't think to reach. And sometimes I don't think to reach out to them like, Oh man, I should have had so-and-so on and everything else. So if you've ever felt like slighted because I didn't have you on when, you know, you've asked to come on, it's nothing to do with you. It's everything to do with me. Um, when it comes to scheduling stuff and everything else. So, um, you don't need to hunt me down. None of these other guys in the past have hunted me down and, and badgered me. In fact, that's probably the worst thing to do. Um, but I know there's people like Kevin Longman, Anthony Houseel. Um, I'm only mentioning those as a couple names. I know there's a whole bunch more that I have said, like, yeah, I'm going to have you on, like uh, uh, Jason Adams. You know, yeah, I'd love to have you on. And I mean it. I absolutely 100% mean it that I want to have them on. And then it's like we go to do the episode and it's like, oh, crap, I never reached out to them. So 
always apologize for that, but, uh, I always have you guys in the back of my mind, but that the thing is like, I consider these guys still friends. Like the three names I just mentioned, like they are friends of mine and I've never met them in person. Um, so I'm hoping that all of them, including all of you guys out there that I can see you guys, at least at the zoom meeting, because I think it would be a lot of fun. And I'm hoping I get to see some new faces I have never seen before. And, and like I said, you're welcome to join. That's the biggest thing about this podcast is that it doesn't matter how long or how short of a time period you've been uh, listening. And I cannot know you at all, but if you want to join the, the episode, you are welcome to join it. And you, that's how you'll get to know us. That's how we'll get to know you. It's a lot of fun. I got to meet two awesome guys last year at Baltimore Comic-Con who, even though they interacted a lot on Facebook and everything, I never had the opportunity to actually meet them until that moment. And it was so awesome to get to know both of them. Um, and I, be- I, I believe at least one of them has already signed up and possibly the other one. I haven't checked the email recently, but, um, but yeah, I, like this is a good time to get to know us and just have a good time. That's the whole idea behind episode 250. It is a celebration. It is to, meant to have a lot of fun. So I hope you can make it again, just email starjoespodcast at gmail.com uh, and with the subject line of virtual convention. And uh, I will send you the link and any information you need to know for that night. And we'll hopefully have a lot of fun. So on to turtles because it's now 1130 at night. I have to work tomorrow. <laughs> and probably each one of these issues is going to take at least probably a good half hour. So, so what I did is I do, I, I, Sorry, but I don't own the original comic for Mirage of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one. Uh, if you do, uh, man, kudos to you. It's like an amazing thing to own, I'm sure. But um, just to let you know, it came out in... So I'm going to cover the Mirage one first, and then I'm going to cover the IDW one. And just to let you know, for IDW, the IDW one, I'm going to be uh, going through the digital comic through Comixology unlimited, uh, that I had mentioned earlier, that's what I'm going to use. I do have the issues. I have every issue from the time they started, but it was, I'm in the middle of reorganizing a lot of my collection and trying to find issue number one was, I, I started trying to look for it and it was like, I was finding issues 40 and 30 something and 20 something. And, and it was just going to be near impossible to have it in time for me to cover this, this stuff. And I was like, Oh, I wonder if I can get it on Comixology, and sure enough, I could. So um, it was part that are unlimited. So, um, so that's what I have here. But like I say I do have the actual issues and stuff. So, unfortunately, ads and everything else I won't be able to refer to for either of these issues. But, um, but I will be able to cover the entire stories here for you. So, um, when it comes to the Mirage one, it came out in May of 1984. And it was at a, it premiered at a comic book convention in Portsmouth, uh, New Hampshire. So if you were lucky to be there in 84, that's probably an awesome thing to pick up and you probably never even realize what you're getting. It was printed in an oversized magazine style format, uh, using black and white artwork, uh, on cheap newsprint and had a print run of only 3,275 copies. That is amazing, uh, that... There's only that many copies. I know there's certain ones. I know some of them are still out there. I know they go for a lot of money, um, as they should. Um, it was a, a during a time period of a lot of speculation, and because of that, the first printings of the original comic 
within months of it, the book was already selling at 50 times the cover price. So that just blows my mind. Um, that's uh, It went up that fast and everything. Um, but it kind of makes sense because it kind of caught fire pretty quickly. So, um, But I have here is they, uh, IDW made, they've done paperback editions of this. And I know my one friend, Mike, uh, that I work with, I know he has the paperback edition of this because I got it for him, I think, as a Christmas gift or something like that. And I told him, I was like, we're going to be covering this on the show at some time this year um, in 2020. So, and, uh, and then I never covered it, and I always wanted to. So, again, that's why we're here is because I've always wanted to cover this. Um, and I'm looking forward to reading a lot more of these issues, especially after reading this first issue, like kind of seeing where things went and how they evolved. Um, but I have the hardcover edition. It's called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, the Ultimate Collection, Volume 1. And it is only of, even though this one only s- says Volume 1, uh, I think some of the other ones after this say Eastman and Laird. So these hardcover editions only have the Eastman and Laird issues. So then they came out with trade paperbacks of... Uh, the other issues, the in-between issues. And I think even when, when you put those two together, you get almost all of the issues. I think there's still like a couple here and there that are missing. Uh, I remember going through like the hardcovers as well as those trade paperbacks because I have them both to kind of try to cover everything for Mirage. And there's like an issue here and there that is just still missing that was never reprinted. And I don't know why, but those might be the issues I kind of try to track down Hopefully they're not too expensive, just so I can have like a full reading run of the whole thing. Because I would like to c- continue covering the Mirage run uh, with you guys. So, uh, but going into the uh, the cover here, it's the classic cover you probably have seen many times. It's red and black uh, and white, and it's the turtles kind of looking shadowy, looking very ninja-y. Um, they, you know, they're kind of squ- more squatty looking and everything else. Uh, so what we get here is uh, we have a monologue, uh, internal monologue from Leonardo, and it really introduces the characters uh, that we see here. So the, the first panel is a close-up on Leonardo's mask, and it says, My name is Leonardo. We made a wrong turn somewhere. Now we're caught our backs t- uh, to the wall in this trash-strewn alley. Barring the way out are 15 members of the Purple Dragons, the toughest street gang on the east side. The only way they'll let us out of here is if we're dead. Um, and the Purple Dragons is something that has definitely carried over. We They pop up throughout the Turtles lore in many different forms. So, um, And also, one thing I wanted to go, to go back to the cover, one thing I found interesting, too, was that they have... On the turtles part, where it says Teenage Mutant Ninja, Mutant Ninja Turtles, there is Leonardo's katana with his hand holding it, and there's blood dripping off of the end of the katana. One thing you're going to find with this issue is they did not hold back on the violence. This was not a kiddie book. Uh, even though you got anthropomorphic uh, turtles and other creatures uh, that could be seen as being something for kids, this was not, definitely not made for kids. So uh, we get introduced to the other turtles. We get a panel of all four of them there with, of course, what he just said. Their backs are against the wall. And there's a shadow image 
uh, of other figures uh, looming over them. So he says, I hold my katana in a relaxed, ready position. My feet are, sorry, my feet. To my left, Donatello and Michelangelo follow suit with the staff and the nunchaku. Raphael guards my right side. I sense his body quivering with the tense energy waiting to be triggered into savage slashing release. Uh, so the lettering is very interesting in this issue too because it is it's not clean it's not clean lettering uh, and there's stuff where it's just like when I read Savage the first time because I was skim reading it I thought it said sausage <laughs> because the V looked like a U um, and then I had to go back and I was like why would it say uh, be triggered into sausage slashing release I was like and then I was I reread it I was like oh savage slashing release um but yeah the lettering like there's a thing called kerning which uh I only know this cuz with my wife being a graphic designer it's why I know this is that there's it's the spacing between letters uh so if you've ever seen like I don't know let's say there's a, a L and a T and they look way far apart from each other, or it happens also with sometimes like A's and T's and things like that, um, where they look way too distant from each other or way too close to each other. That is basically, you can think of it's bad kerning, basically, is what it is. Uh, and that happens in this issue. There's certain letters that are just way apart from each other or way too close to each other. Um, but it also kind of becomes the style of this comic now. It's like the... It's like almost the hallmark of these Mirage comics in, in a lot of ways. So, um, so we have uh, the the purple dragons yelling out the about how uh, they're going to be dead, uh, that they're wearing a bunch of stupid turtle costumes, uh, and then you have this huge double page splash, um, and you hear he's wrong. We're not wearing costumes, and so it's. Again, you're introducing these characters for the very first time to the public, so you want to point out that these are not costumes. These are actual turtles, and it says Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in big letters. Um, so then it gets into this big fight. Uh, you have some narration that's coming, again, from uh, from Leonardo, and he's talking about his brothers and how they are fighting and how they're dealing with these guys with guns and how... Uh, I mean, you have them slashing and bashing people left and right. Uh, he talks about how uh, Raphael loves this stuff when the, the guns come out. And you see Raphael, like, leap into two guys. And I have to assume that the size went into their guts uh, because that's how it looks. Um, and then he takes down a guy with a uh, shotgun, but it looks like he hits him with the, the butt of the, the side for that one. Uh, then we see some more fighting going on. Like it's a big battle scene right away opening up to the turtle. So you get action right out of the gate. Um, you have Donatello. He's flying with his bow staff. He kicks one guy in the gut, hits another guy in the head. I got Michelangelo using his uh, nunchaku, uh, to, to hit the guys. And you can see that the guys have like a little turtle tail at the bottom of them. That's how they were designed initially. When you have Michelangelo flying in the air, you see the little turtle tail at the bottom of them there. Um, you also see uh, two guys there that look like the human versions of Bebop and Rocksteady. Like there's just some hints to that's who they could be. But I'm pretty sure it's not them because 
they are cut down. <laughs> um, cause you hear the one say, who are these guys? And the one guy that looks like he could have been, uh, bebop says, don't know some kind of freaks, but even freaks can bleed, cut them. And you hear Leonardo's mo- uh, inner monologue of yes, we can bleed. And so can you. So again, not, this isn't your kitty version of the turtles. Um, you see that the police are showing up. So the turtles have to escape. And, uh, even though they, they point out that they could be, uh, on the same side with the police, they know the police would never accept them and they know society would never accept them. That's why they have trained in the ways of ninjutsu. They go down into the sewers and then we get, uh, a big open scene of just how they disappeared and it's the street. Uh, it looks almost like a Mr. Robert Rogers neighborhood, uh, or probably more like Mr. Robinson's neighborhood from Saturday Night Live. Uh, has that more gritty look to it. Um, we do see that they have lived down in the sewers, uh, for a number of years and they open up a wall and in there is splinter and they tell him that, uh, that they had to go up against 15 foes. And he says, well, it looks like your skills are peaked now. Now you are ready to hear about your origin. And I really, again, had never read this before, but I did see the original live action movie and many times. And the, and I always found it odd that in the live action movie, they talked about how he trained as a rat watching his master, uh, Hamato Yoshi and everything. Cause in what I knew of the turtles splinter was Hamato Yoshi, but that is not the case because I grew up with the cartoon where it was, he was transformed into the, the rat splinter, but in the live action movie, Splinter was just a rat that watched his master train and he just followed suit. And I always thought that looked weird and ridiculous, but that is exactly what is in this original Mirage comic. Uh, so that's what they were going off of. So you have here where, uh, Hamato Yoshi, he's, we get like a flashback and it's basically, uh, Splinter's talking about how his tail begin, uh, begins 20 years ago. Uh, he says he was, a um, a young rat and a pet, uh, and cared for by his beloved master, Hamato Yoshi, uh, who was training, uh, knew the art of, uh, ninjutsu and he trained watching him and everything else. Um, he said that he was part of a clan called the foot clan, which if you know the history of the turtles, you know, that part of the turtles was uh, a lot of it was a spoof based off of the comics that, uh, Eastman and Laird both loved. And one of that, one of those was Daredevil. And the reason Splinter is named Splinter is because Daredevil's master was named Stick. So they went with Stick to Splinter. Uh, when it came to the opponents, you had the hand in Marvel Comics. They went with the foot. So that's where you get the foot clan from. Um, so the clan, uh, there was another member of the, the foot clan named Oroku Nagi, which when I heard that, I was like, wait, I thought it's Oroku Saki. Well, we'll get to that. <laughs> and him and his, uh, this Oroku Nagi and his master Yoshi, uh, were competing fiercely in everything, especially in the, in the love of a woman named Tang Shen. Uh, but what had happened was that Hamato Yoshi won her over 
uh, Oroku Nagi did not like that and went to visit her one night and started beating the crap out of her. And Hamato Yoshi came in seeing him about to hit her again. And, uh, he says, if I can't have this wench, then no one will. Uh, Hamato Yoshi went into a, a fit of rage and killed Hamato, uh, Oroku Nagi, uh, and realized that there's only two choices now because he killed one of his own foot brothers. Um, he would either have to, uh, do uh, seppuku, which is a form of suicide, or he would have to flee with, um, with Tang Shen and never return. He'd have to like disappear. So that's what he decided to do. He decided to, to disappear with her. They went to the U S and at the funeral for, uh, Oroku, uh, Nagi, his little brother, Oroku Saki, uh, was seven years old and vowed vengeance on Hamato Yoshi. Uh, and he started training and as he trained and got older and got better at things, he, he his hatred became deeper and more bitter. Um, he then was granted the ability to go to New York and, build a branch of the foot there. And he saw this as a perfect opportunity to avenge his brother's death. Uh, even though that wasn't his mission for going there, that's what he decided he was going to do. Not only was he going to, uh, build this, uh, foot, uh, branch out there, he was also going to get his revenge. Uh, he started building uh, a group of a division of the clan there, uh, they had specialties in, in drugs and smuggling and arms running and their, uh, and also assassination, which I found that that's one thing that like, they're not very clear here. And I don't know if they get clear later, but it almost sounded like the foot clan was a pretty honorable group. I mean, I would think so if Amato Yoshi was part of it. Um, but this spinoff branch that Oroku Saki created, got involved in all these horrible things, but then it makes it sound like as if that was normal for the ninjutsu, this ninjutsu clan. So I'm, I'm not sure if they kind of show that like, yeah, this offshoot was, it went against all of our wishes or not. I don't know. Um, but it, I, I did find that like interesting that this, like, was this always like doing corrupt things like that? Or was it just that this spinoff uh, one that Orokusaki had was actually, um, doing things that it shouldn't have been doing. Uh, but he made a name for himself and he started being known as the shredder, as we all know. Uh, so he finally tracked down Hamato Yoshi. He, uh, went and broke into the apartment and he killed, uh, Shen there before, uh, Hamato Yoshi got home. As soon as he got home, he killed him. Uh, so there wasn't even really a fight or anything like that, uh, or a struggle that you see here. Um, and he basically slices them open and you get uh splinter. His cage gets broken. Uh, I know in the movie, I believe it is that they made it where he attacked Orokusaki and slashed his face. And that's why he wears the mask. They don't do that here. Uh, he just escapes out into the, into the world. Um, and he, what the one night one, he's, uh, finding scraps of garbage. Uh, he notices a large truck 
that almost hit, is about to hit a, a blind man that was crossing the street. A kid dives in front of the, the guy and saves him. But uh, the truck veering out of the way uh, has a causes a metal canister to, to bounce out. And it strikes the young man near his eyes and then falls down into the sewers. Right before it falls down the sewers, it, it smashes against a, another kid that's holding a bowl of four little baby turtles. So obviously everything that we see up to this point, as far as the canister coming out, a blind man being saved, and then getting the, the kid that saved him getting hit in the head with the canister, that's all Daredevil. Like that's a Daredevil, that's Daredevil's origin story, except that he actually gets the stuff in his eyes and everything else. So, uh, they're basically tying this into the MCU in, in some ways, uh, <laughs> um, or I should say the, just the Marvel universe, I should say MCU, but in the Marvel universe itself. And, uh, but yeah, then of course, everything that we know, like the, the turtles are walking around in that sludge and the rat evidently was smart enough even though he wasn't in the goo himself smart enough to start collecting the turtles and getting them out of the sludge. And he started cleaning them off. Why a rat would do that. I don't know other than to eat them later, but this rat was very smart. I mean, he was learning ninjutsu. So why not? Um, but of course then the, the sludge got on him as well and it started making him more intelligent and he started growing larger, but the turtles grew larger faster and, uh, it says within a year they had reached their current size. And then one day they started talking, uh, and they started moving around. So he decided to go ahead and, uh, start training them. And so, and then they reached a point where they surpassed his lessons. Uh, and he used a battered copy of a book on Renaissance art and named all of them. Uh, it was one that he was able to get out of a storm drain. And so then that's where the names Leonardo, Michelangelo, Donatello, and Raphael all came into play. Um, and he says, now what I am asking you to do now that your training is at its peak is I'm asking you something I, I really have no business asking you to do, but that's to avenge Hamato Yoshi and his wife and, uh, challenge and kill uh, Rokusaki, which is the shredder. So again, not, this isn't like, Hey, we're not, we don't kill, we keep the peace, everything else. Like you're going to see that being very different in the IDW one. So, um, he, he's sending him out to kill the shredder. Um, and they send out Raphael cause they figure he's the uh, best one to, for the task to deliver that type of message. Uh, he goes, uh, he tracks down where they might be at as far as, uh, one of their locations. He breaks into that center, takes out two guards and one of the guards sees them. And he's like, he basically, uh, is thinking maybe he doesn't need, uh, need to do, take any action on that last guard, but then that guard comes and attacks him. He thinks that that guard might sound the alarm, but he, that's not what he's, he decides to do. That guard decides to come at Raphael and, uh, Raphael connects and kills him. Uh, it basically says we connect in midair when we land, I'm standing. He isn't. <clears throat> and he's like, now my task. So the killing of the guards wasn't even his task. It was just, they were in his way for him to complete his task and he took him out. 
So he sends his sigh through a window where uh, the shredder is and comes busting through the window. And at the time, what the shredder is doing is he's trying to arrange protection for somebody. He's trying to tell them about how they need his protection. And this all of a sudden, this sigh comes crashing through the window. And it's a note that says, you have shamed and dishonored the name of your family by murdering Hamato Yoshi. I give you the chance to regain your honor, meet uh, my four disciples for a duel to the death tomorrow night at the following address. And it's 15th Street and something else after that. So, um, <clears throat> and the group that's there, they're like, you want us, you want to provide us protection, but you can't even uh, protect yourselves. And, you know, you have guards that are down and everything else. So this, of course, makes Shredder angry. He's absolutely going to meet up with the challenge. The turtles climb to the, uh, climb to a rooftop and they start shouting out Shredder. We are here, which is not very ninja like, but that's what they do. Uh, and they're like Shredder face us. And Shredder is lurking there in the shadows. And he's like, who are these fools? Um, he says, and he's thinking to himself, I still do not quite understand why after so long, this comes back to haunt me because, of course, he has no idea. He's like killed Yoshi 15 years ago, so that gives us an idea of how much time has passed um, since all those events occurred. So it definitely puts the turtles as teenagers. Um, but he, like, he would have no idea about Splinter or anything like that. Like, there was a rat in the room. That was that was it. So, um, but he jumps down. He's like, "I'm here. Come face your doom." Uh, foot join me and also a bunch of the foot clan jump up. And then there's a two page splash of a battle. So we have Leonardo taking out, uh, one guy slashed him across the face. Uh, and he's taking on two others. We got, uh, Michelangelo with his nunchaku, uh, there, uh, he's bat He bashed one guy in the face with him already. We have uh, Raphael. He's doing a flying kick and kicking two guys off the roof. And we have Donatello kind of front and center coming at a guy that has a katana. And he's got his bow staff primed to, to hit him across the face with it. Uh, they're just fighting and slashing and everything else. They're like, uh, these guys are good. Uh, one guy says, yeah, two, uh, one guy, the Raphael says, yeah, two, uh, too good. But he says, but we're better. And they just keep taking guys out. And then, uh, they say your ninja have fallen shredder and shredders like, so I see they were good men. My best. I see too, that they have left their mark. Uh, and what we see is we see the turtles have all been cut and slashed and beat up. They're, they're looking pretty bruised now. Um, but Shredder then says, you can take me on all together or one at a time. It doesn't make any difference to me. So Raphael jumps in first and he gets taken down. And then, uh, Donatello tries to go in and he gets taken down. Uh, Michelangelo tries to do the same thing. And then we have Leonardo who comes in and he does get a cut in across the chest of Shredder. But then, um, but they're like, we need to fight this guy at a distance because Leonardo also got some cuts on him uh, from Shredder's knives on his arms. Uh, they start throwing uh, ninja stars at him and shurikens and, and everything. Uh, and then they start doing as a team attacking him. They 
crack his face mask off. They knock his helmet off. Uh, and then, uh, Frederick says, you are overly confident fool. And Leonardo says, perhaps, uh, he is shredder, but perhaps not and stabs shredder right through the gut. Um, Leonardo now says, now you are beaten. And Shredder says, so finish it, fools. I am helpless. Slay me now. And they give them him a chance to honor himself. Unlike what uh, he had done, what Shredder had done. They're like, we're giving you a chance to uh, redeem your honor. Take this katana and commit seppuku. And he says, never. And he pulls out a grenade, a thermite grenade. And he says, I'm going to clean house and take you all with me. Uh, Donatello sells, shouts out no, throws his bow staff, hits Shredder in the face, knocks him off the rooftop. Explosion happens. We never see anything that happens. We know the, the grenade went off. And uh, they said our mission is complete. Master, uh, our master's master is avenged. And uh, Michelangelo says, I'm tired, Leonardo. And Leonardo says, yes. So are uh, we all, Michelangelo, let's go home. And they talk about how they ache all over. They come down, and the only thing they find of Shredder is one of his gauntlets. Um, and he says, uh, it seems that the Shredder has been shredded. And they then toss the gauntlet, and it says, we are the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We strike hard and fade away into the night. And then the issue ends. Um, and then in this hardcover, we get like a lot of insight into what Eastman and Larry were trying to do. They, they talk about this first issue and then they talk about certain pages and things they're going for. It's really, really interesting. Uh, I highly recommend uh, getting it in either the hardcover edition or the trade. Uh, Cause I think it's all the same information, but there's some really good stuff in there, uh, both from Eastman and from Laird about this first issue and about each page and, uh, or about a lot of the pages and not each page, but a lot of the pages. So, so yeah, that's what we get with the turtles. One of the things um, that I liked, kind of like analyzing it and looking back on it, is for the most part, the turtles don't really get any personalities. Uh, they all basically have the same personality. You can kind of argue that Raphael is the hothead of the group. Uh, he's the one that's sent in to, to deliver the message because he's the more aggressive one. Um. And you can kind of argue that Leonardo's the more disciplined one because he's the one narrating the whole thing. Um, but it, they, they're not as defined as they are later. Um, so they definitely later iterations of the turtles. We get, you know, Leonardo being the, the leader type, uh, the strategist and everything, the, the disciplined one, you get Donatello being the, uh, you know, the intellectual with the, uh, gadgets and everything. You get Michelangelo being the partier, uh, free spirit one. You get Raphael being the anger, angry, uh, aggressive one. So, uh, you don't really get that in this first issue. So again, um, that's something that'll come later. I did really like the thought that like this was, they didn't know it would become anything. They've made this one issue and you get a self-contained story. You get a whole history of the characters, uh, and then you get, an ending you get to know that the shredder was defeated. He, they killed him in the first issue. Um, well, quote unquote killed him because they did leave it open for, well, he could have survived because all they found was that gauntlet. So, um, 
So yeah, it's it's a really good story. You can tell why it kind of caught the attention of a lot of people because something like this hadn't really been done yet. Um, you know, ninjas were really big at the time. Uh, having these anthropomorphic beings uh, being the ninjas and everything else, they live in the sewers. And you have the marauders going on at the time of the um, X-Men and everything else. So, uh, or say the, the Morlocks and stuff like that. So there's... There's just all these cool elements that they pulled from that they that go into this issue, but it's a nice self-contained story um, with a lot of history that you, that you learn about and a lot of action. And like I said, it is definitely a grittier take on the turtles than uh, than you would expect, especially if you grew up with the cartoon and, and everything else. Much more lighthearted version. So, with that, we're gonna go ahead into the. Um, IDW version, and this was, uh, I didn't bring this information up about this particular one. So this started in August of 2011, and the original creators on this first issue uh, was a story by Kevin Eastman, so Eastman was still involved. Uh, which he has been uh, f- throughout the series. Uh, Tom Waltz, the script was by Tom Waltz. Uh, layouts were by Kevin Eastman, and the art was by Dan Duncan. So Eastman laid out, like, here's the flow of the story and everything else, and then uh, based on the script that they worked on, uh, and then Dan Duncan worked on the artwork. And I will say, I, I like Dan Duncan's artwork. It's not my favorite when it comes to the full overall Turtle series, um, there's been a couple of the artists like De- definitely Dave Wagner, uh, is one that I really loved his artwork on the turtles. Um, I actually have a page of his artwork. Um, I think it's Santa Luca. Uh, if I'm probably butchering the, the name or not remembering it right. Um, that worked on it. Let's see. I'm going to look it up real quick here. Uh, Mateus, uh, Santa Luca. Uh, I really loved his artwork and his take on the turtles. Um, Santa Luco and Dave Wachter are probably my two favorite artists that have worked on the turtles. Uh, I think I saw something in here also that the IDW take has had 239 issues or something like that, according to the Wikipedia and, uh, 26 of those were out of continuity. Uh, they've definitely gone over a hundred issues of the main series, um, and have done a lot of tie-ins and everything else. So, uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into the issue. There was a lot of covers that were done for the first issue, as you can imagine. Uh, there was one cover for each of the main turtles. And I think I have the Leonardo one. I think Chuck might have the Raphael one. I'm not hundred percent sure. Um, and I might have another version of like all four turtles or something like that. But I, I know I have at least one with the main turtles. I'm almost positive. It's the Leonardo one. And I will say, like, this first issue is a little bit tougher to find on secondhand market. Now, part of that is because if you look up Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 1, issue 1, even if you put it in IDW, you're going to find a lot of the miniseries number ones and things like that. But it, it's a little bit tougher. You can find them, and they're not too badly priced uh, to get issue number 1. But they're definitely up there. I want to say issue 1 might be going for, like, 40 to $50 now. Uh, something around that, that range. So, uh, 
definitely, if, if you just want to read it, the Comixology Unlimited uh, access is, is the way to go. So uh, we have, this is uh, chapter one, so it's issue one. And uh, we open up right away to a fight just like what we had in the Mirage, where the turtles have their backs against the wall, and they it's it's different angles and everything else, but they are fighting a gang. And but this time, this gang is being led by Old Hob, and Old Hob is an uh, mutated cat. So he, uh, so we have a mutated turtles versus mutated cat. We don't know Old Hob's story yet. We don't know what his background, how he became that, or anything like that. But we do know that he he is leading this gang. Um, and he points out like, this is, uh, this, how, this is how it's going to, going to be splinter. Uh, and he's like, you're going to hide like a coward behind those, uh, those freaks. And, uh, one of the turtles I assume was Raphael, uh, says, uh, who's he calling freaks? Uh, has he seen himself? And then Michael Angel says, yo pot meat kettle. And Splinter says, silence Michelangelo. So a little bit different because Splinter is actually with them in this fight where he wasn't with them in the uh, Mirage one. One thing, too, I didn't point out in the Mirage one is he refers to himself being older and that he is probably going to die soon. Uh, and that's why he wants his master be reven- uh, uh, to have his master avenged is because he knows he's not going to be in this world for much longer. Um, so it's basically like he's almost too old to, to fight himself and that's why he's sending them to do it. Uh, in this, we don't really get that. And I don't know in the Mirage if Splinter just keeps living and it's never mentioned again that he's not going to be around much longer, but, uh, I'll find that out as I keep reading it. But yeah, this was, uh, basically, uh, Splinter, you know, is there for the fight. We have a mutant on the gang side this time instead of just the gang. Um, and also the reason the fight happened in the other, in the Mirage is because just cause they entered territory, uh, the turtles were doing, you know, patrols and stuff like that. And they just ended up in a territory of the gang and they weren't welcome there. So, uh, we don't really know why they're fighting in this one. Um, Splinter says, old Hob, this, uh, this need not happen. We are not here to fight. We only want this neighborhood left in peace. And, uh, old Hob's like, you can keep wanting that. Like basically the reason the fight is happening is because the turtles want it to be peaceful in that area and old Hob wants control of it. So, and then a big brawl breaks out just like we saw in Mirage. So it's a nice little nod to the original Mirage that there be a big battle. But in this case, um, Splinter points out, my son's none must die, which basically is telling them that they are not to kill anyone. Very different from the Raj one. Um, so you see them slicing, you know, guns, uh, barrels off and crowbars get sliced off and everything else. Also, all the turtles are wearing red bandanas right now. Um, in the Mirage one, we don't know what color the bandanas are. Uh, it's later, you know, revealed that they're wearing all red. But even the cover, which is the only thing that has color on it, 
doesn't let us know that they are wearing any particular color other than the fact that the cover is red, black, and white. So you can kind of assume that they're wearing red. Um, but we don't know. We, we don't know what color bandanas are because it's all black and white comic. In this one, we they have them all wearing red bandanas, which is a nice nod to that to the original look and the original run because eventually it is shown that they're just wearing red. So <clears throat> as the IDW run continues, they do get their multicolor bandanas, and we find out why. <clears throat> um, oh, I should actually point out that wasn't Raphael talking earlier. Uh, it must have been... Uh, I'm thinking it may have been Leonardo because Raphael is not with his brothers in this fight. Uh, we find out later that he's off on his own. Uh, we don't know why, but we'll, we'll get into that as we go on. So it's in this fight, it's only Leonardo, Michelangelo and Donatello with splinter. Um, the fight keeps going on They're They're keep taking out guys left and right. Um, they're not killing any of them. And then old Hobbs says, you know, if you want to do something right, you got to do it yourself. He goes after Splinter. Splinter takes him down. Um, and old, old Hob, uh, basically, you know, says that, you know, he's, he's going to get him one day. He's, you're all going to pay for this. Um, you know, it's a cool battle scene. You get to see everything going on. It probably goes on maybe one page longer than it needs to. Uh, but you do get their more of their personalities going on. Um, when old Hob goes running away, uh, looks like one of them, maybe Michelangelo wants to keep going after them, but Splinter says, no, we, we accomplished what we needed to. Um, and then, uh, Splinter says, no, we are done here. My sons, we must go. And, uh, there's a little comment that's made about how one of them isn't there. And that makes Splinter realize that Raphael, think back on Raphael. We then see Raphael in a trench coat and a hoodie. And he is trying, uh, he's thinking back to everything that led up to this. And we get a flashback now to 18 months earlier. And we have April O'Neil, who was not introduced in the original issue of Mirage. We see her, we find discover that character later. Um, but April is here at, uh, stock gen research. And this is a flashback to the turtles and she sees all the little turtle guys. And there's a guy there named Chet. And I can't tell from the dialogue if Chet is just a nervous guy in general and has a stutter, or if he actually has an interest in April. There's definitely, definitely times where it seems like he has a crush on April and he wants to say something and he doesn't. But then there's other times where it just seems like he just talks that way. So maybe not. Um, so she's asking like what they're here for. He's like, we're doing some genetic experiments and everything else. And then she notices that there's a rat on top of the cage and she, she's about to smack the rat with her clipboard. But he point, uh, Chet points out that, He's actually part of another study that's going on and he's actually really smart. Uh, we keep putting him into, uh, into his cage, but he keeps getting out. He's really not anything you need to worry about. 
Uh, then we have Baxter Stockman, who, again, not character we get introduced to. Uh, he is informed that uh, by his secretary or receptionist that he has a call from General Crane. So, again, a character that we are not introduced to in Mirage just yet. Uh, he gets a phone call from Crane, and we all know who Crane is, of course, being Turtles fans. But in this, they keep it very mysterious because, again, this is a relaunch. This is a, a reboot, I should say. So Krang might not be, doesn't necessarily have to be the Krang that we all know. Um, I will tell you not to spoil anything, but he basically is. Uh, he has a bit of a different origin and stuff like that. But Krang is basically Krang. He's the brainy-looking thing. But in this, they don't show that. They actually show something a little later that we'll, we'll uh, get into. But he's calling from Burnout Island, which is something that runs throughout the series. In fact, I'm reading uh, City at War, and uh, which I know I'm a little bit behind on the the current Turtles stuff. But um, but yeah, there's there's references to Burnout Island and stuff that happened there just a few issues before that. So even when you're in the ninety some issues this whole burnout Island is still part of the main story and everything going on. So, um, so yeah, general Krang's like, how are the, how's everything going? Uh, and we find out more of why the turtles are being, having tests done on them, uh, that there is, they're working on the Terrapin human exo armor synthesis. And then for the, uh, the rat, they're working with a rodentia psychotropic serum test. Uh, whatever that is. Uh, basically, what we find out later, they kind of describe that one a little bit. So the, the Terrapin one, you can understand they're basically trying to create body armor, uh, natural body armor for soldiers. Um, and then for the psychotropic serum, what they're testing is being able to separate out uh, and increase intelligence by separating out the animal DNA from the intellectual DNA, um, and kind of bring those, uh, and so that they can heighten things. Um, what we see is, uh, Baxter Stockman is talking about how, you know, <clears throat> he's working through it. He's doing it what he can. And general Crane's like, you know, I need this done. This is what you're being paid for. You need to move up your timetables and get everything done. He asks about the mutagen and, uh, he says, yes, we'll, we have, we'll have the mutagen as well. Uh, and what we see is we see a fist of like, we see a shadowy figure sitting at a desk and then we see a fist. So again, Krang seems like he might not be what we know him to be, but later on we find out he is. Um, so we get, uh, the rat and, and by the way, the rat, they call him splinter. Uh, and I'm trying to see exactly why they call him that. Cause they do explain that at one point. Uh, let's see. I don't think they explain it just yet. So, um, oh, so yeah, so I'm right on the page now where after everything they, they do explain Splinter. And she's like, why do you guys call him Splinter anyways? Uh, she says, oh, well, he's part of a psychotropic drug test. We're running uh, the drugs affect uh, effect is like splitting or splintering the animal's nature in two, basically separating out a capacity for human-like cognition from the intellectual, uh, instinctual animal state, in theory at least. 
So April's trying to find out like, wait, you're doing the, these don't sound like, um, bioengineering for meat. Like that's what she's been told is like these tests that are being done and this experiments are being done with the turtles and the rats are all to help with feeding populations. Uh, so that, uh, we're running low on food supplies and everything else. So they, you know, this is a way to bioengineer more food supplies for people, but that's obviously now what's going on. It's actually for more militaristic intent. And, uh, we find out that, uh, April has actually named the turtle. So in Mirage, where it was based on a Renaissance book and everything else that Splinter finds in this continuity, it's actually April that names the turtles while they're still turtles. And she gives them, she already kind of gives them their personalities based on how they act as turtles. So she said the little guy standing all still and quiet is Leonardo the one studying the bug is Donatello and the one gorging himself on lettuce is Michelangelo. And then there's the, um, the feisty one, which is Raphael. And she says she has, uh, she, she's having a history of Renaissance art 101 this semester. So she's going to school. That's where the names come from is because she is studying Renaissance at that time. We then jump back to present day. We have Raphael is, scrounging through the garbage. He finds a pizza box. Uh, he opens it up and finds that there is just some crust left over, but he eats that. And then he goes, okay, what's next? Uh, he walks near a house. He finds some clothes in, in a garbage and a shirt that says cowabunga. And he says, Oh, now that's just wrong. And throws it over his shoulder. Nice little nod, obviously to the origins of, or the cartoon version of, uh, with Michelangelo always saying cowabunga and stuff. So, uh, and there was also, it was also used in the live action movie and everything else. Again, not something that came up in the Mirage comics in the first issue. Uh, but he hears, uh, a crash and he's like, what the sees through a window that some people are fighting. Uh, when he looks through the window, he sees that, uh, a boy is getting attacked by his father and when he hears that it was the dad, uh, he decides to bash in the door and he's, uh, points out that he doesn't like bullies. He's like, you know, you know what? I hate jerk face stinking bullies. Uh, let me show you how much. And the issue ends with that is ends with Raphael busting through the door to save Casey. And that's actually Casey Jones, uh, who is being attacked by his father there's a whole history that they do in this series of Casey with his father, his father redeeming himself, um, but not quite redeeming himself. And then fully coming around, like there's a whole story, very involved story. That's really good. That deals with Casey and his dad. But right now, all we know is that Casey's dad is abusive and he's attacking him. Um, we also know, I believe it's also that he's been drinking, um, and yeah, cause he's, Casey says he's, you're wasted again. So, uh, and we get Raphael busting in and ready to fight and revealing himself as a, you know, in his turtle form and everything else to, uh, to both of them. And that's how the issue ends. So not as complete of a story as the Mirage one. Uh, now the Mirage one admittedly was a lot more pages. Uh, I believe it was like 40 some pages, 30 some to 40 some pages. 
So a lot more room to be able to tell a complete story. You could do the backstory and everything else. We do get a nice flashback to the origins of the turtles. Uh, even though we don't see them mutate yet or anything like that, we do find out the origin of their names uh, and why experiments are, are being done on them. Uh, we find out about mutagen. We get introduced to some characters that never got introduced into the Mirage series in the first issue. Um, and we also know that nowadays you're typically writing for the trade. So you're not doing a one and ton one and done complete story for the turtles in issue one. You're doing a setup, introducing them, kind of getting some of their personalities, introducing some other characters. Um, and then over the course of the next four to six issues, you're going to get your complete origin story. So, um, so it's a good introduction, especially for a modern day. Um, now you get some characters that I wish we could have got a little bit more understanding of. Like I wish old Hob would have been a little bit more clear right from the beginning. Like what's he doing around? Um, maybe he didn't even need to be there. Uh, maybe it could have just been a gang like they did in the Mirage one. Uh, and maybe it could have been the Purple Dragons. I, I don't believe they actually mentioned what group it is uh, at the beginning of this issue uh, that they're fighting. But, like, Old Hob felt like maybe he needed a little bit more uh, backstory or something. Like, like at least why the fight is occurring. And, uh, like, we just kind of get some basic stuff. Now, I know later on we learn a lot about Old Hob, Hob and he's, he's an awesome character and... Um, absolutely love his character and, and his arc and everything. But, um, but yeah, we don't really know a lot about him right now other than he's a rival of Splinter. Um, so yeah, like one of the things I'm curious about with this, like who did it better? And it's, it's a tough call because Mirage did a really great job because they give you a one and done story. Um, but at the same time, they didn't really flesh out personalities a whole lot. Like you just get basically all the turtles are awesome ass fighters and they were trained by their, by uh, splinter. And that's basically all you know about them. Um, and they take down the shredder where with this, you get a little bit more personality. You get some more depth to what's going on. Um, we know that Raphael's off on his own and we don't know why yet, things like that. But that's also a little bit of the hindrance with doing it the way that IDW did it, which is you don't know an, a lot going into the first issue. By the time you're done with the first issue, there's a lot of questions. Now, the good thing about that is it then makes you want to pick up the next issue to find out the answers to those questions. So who did it better? I, this one, I kind of have to give it a tie because it's it's they're so dynamically different with a lot of similarities. Um, I would say that if you're just wanting to know who the turtles are and get an origin, the Mirage one works really well for that. If you're looking to get into something that as a series and really delve into the turtles, I think the IDW one is probably the route route to go and read that first trade. Um, cause like I said, they do a fantastic job. The IDW run is probably my favorite version of the turtles of all versions. Whether you're looking at cartoons, looking at movies, looking at comics, the IDW run is 
my absolute favorite version of the turtles. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's everything. Uh, it is now about 1230 at night. Uh, and, or if you want to get technical in the morning, so I have to work <laughs> tomorrow and, uh, I'm going to basically take this. I'm going to do a, a very, very little bit of editing and put it out there for you guys because I want you guys to be able to, uh, hear this episode and join us hopefully for episode 250. Uh, I think that would be awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. And, uh, like I said, all you have to do is email starjoespodcast at gmail.com with the subject line of virtual convention. And, uh, I will make sure you're on the list. So with that, uh, I'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone.